everyone, welcome to the new and improved Take the Black Live, the one and only show on the internet where we dare talk about things like dragons, uh, spaceships, Game of Thrones, Star Wars, Marvel, superheroes, such things as this, nerdy stuff, things, stuff that matters. I am Dan Selke, the editor-in-chief of WinterIsComing.net. Here with Mia Johnson, editor-in-chief of DorkSideOfTheForce.com. And we have quite the show for you. First of all, I have a cool new microphone, and I don't have earphones that look like um, they're like made 100 years ago and are crushing my head. <laughs> Yay, it's nice to see you've got nice new setup looking cool. Thank you. But seriously, there is quite a lot to discuss this week, so let's yeah. get right into it. I mean, good lord, we have apparently Warner Brothers is destroying the movie industry <laughs> with their nefarious plans to release everything all at once. Um, we got a look, like a, our, a first, our first real official look at a House of the Dragon Game of Thrones prequel show on HBO, and apparently the entire cast of Marvel is going to be in the new Spider-Man movie. So <laughs> I'm looking forward to talking about it. Mia, how are you though? First, the important stuff. I'm doing good. It's um, exciting week for news, so I've been ready. I've been waiting to talk about this. Okay, yeah, let's get into it. And Christian, <laughs> hello. Hello to everybody watching. All right, first up, we got to start with House of the Dragon, HBO's Game of Thrones prequel show. So on the day that um, Warner Media HBO execs took to uh, the internet to kind of break the news that they were going to break the movie industry and release everything all at the same time, at the bottom of that post, almost like an afterthought, I think to kind of save face and distract, they mentioned, oh, by the way, here's some concept art for the Game of Thrones prequel show which is going to start principal photography in a few months. Look out for dragons overhead. <laughs> What's funny, well, Mia? that's kind of... Um, you know what? I didn't even realize those two had kind of come like a, a package bundle that the news oh, of... Oh, it was at the bottom of the announcement. They knew what they were doing. Wow. So do you... Well, hmm, do you think that was a good move um, on their part? Yeah, I mean, frankly, it reminds me of what they did when they announced that the first Game of Thrones prequel was canceled. They, on that same day, in the same hour, announced we picked up this other one to series. They have been quite good about giving something that could be bad news, although I'm not, we'll talk about whether it would be a thing as bad news, um, and then packaging it with something that's good news. So this time they were like, yes, we're going to release everything to HBO Max, which frankly, a lot of people would probably think is good news, and then combine it with Here's a look behind the scenes of House of the yeah. Dragon. We're starting to shoot in a few months. Like, we didn't know that. I mean, I know they've been yeah. casting. We have some casting announcements. Um, I can only imagine they're doing stuff behind the scenes, but we didn't know what the timetable was. So a few months, it's really happening, people. They are shooting the Dance of the Dragons, House of the Dragon show, which is great, in a couple of months. And they yeah. gave us this pretty sweet concept art of a couple of the dragons involved. First, they got this... Um, beautiful doggo here the oh, wow. red and black sort of fierce looking guy and they didn't name them but my dorky mm. brain and reddit is pretty sure we know <laughs> who they are so this first guy i'm pretty sure is caraxis i think i'm saying that right known as the blood worm spelled w-y-r-m just get that down oh. now so when we write it later we know <laughs> um Big dragon, mean dragon, yeah, big, red fearsome. and black. Yeah, fearsome, very much so. He was written by a character we've talked about, Prince 
Oh, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, Prince Damon Targaryen. Because remember, we said before, this show is about the Dance of the Dragons. The sh- right. The Targaryen Civil War that happened about 100 years and change before the main show. And there's exactly. Targaryens fighting Targaryens. They're all riding dragons. They're all like <laughs> each other in the sky. And this was Damon's Good dragon, good history. There's one battle where he fights, I think, his nephew in the sky above Ooh. the god's eye lake. And he like leaps from his dragon to the other guy's dragon and stabs him. And it's just going to be, if they can pull it off, very, very impressive. So that's yeah. pretty cool. Oh, and also they give us, I don't know, like that battle I just described is beyond anything they did on Game of Thrones. You realize that, right? Like they never like had. Dueling, like you said, dueling dragon dragons. Dragon. They, they the, had maybe with one the of those budget. Uh huh. Oh sure. I mean, they had one of those on Game of Thrones, and and it was in the episode where everyone complained you couldn't see anything. Oh. So <laughs> yeah, th- they're gonna funny. have. And like, I am concerned because like this story is like full of that stuff, and it happens <laughs> in the broad so. daylight, so you can't cover it up with night. So it's it's going to be um, uh, interesting to see what they do with it. Yeah. And we also got some concept art of. Sunfire the Golden, oh, known as like this the most beautiful of dragons, with golden scales that gleam in the sun, written by King Aegon Targaryen II, one of the two big uh, claimants to the throne in this particular battle. Remember, we got Aegon Targaryen, and we got his half-sister, Rhaenyra Targaryen, and those mm-hmm. two are the two who are mainly at odds in this thing. Yeah. Ooh, very, very. I do like this one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, like in, in Game of Thrones, we had like the three dragons. We saw them go from like baby to adults, but we're gonna come into this show, and there are like I don't know the exact number, but like more than ten dragons already just hanging around. Oh, <laughs> and the Targaryens have them, and they're full grown. Like they already know oh. what they're doing, which is something that we never really have. Like, so it, it it it'll be different. And they'll all be different personalities and different looks and different shapes, different sizes, which could be interesting because you, you know how merchandising is so important to any oh, program. Yeah. <laughs> and if you go into your show with like 15 to 20 ready-made mascots in the form of different mm-hmm. dragons of different colors, shapes, hues, personalities, sizes, temperaments, um, it's not a bad place to start. It is yeah. going to be very tricky to <laughs> render yeah, well, you can kiss uh, Harry Potter houses goodbye. Now it's, you know, which Targaryen dragon are you? <laughs> I mean, yeah, they already are. Which Game of Thrones house were you? And I, honestly, that, that if I were in HBO's marketing department, I would be thinking of that, is what yeah. I'm saying, of how to Fan leverage allegiance. that stuff. Yeah. But yeah, this exciting stuff. Um, we're finally getting some solid information from actually within HBO itself, not just whispers. Um, yeah. And I hope they keep it up. And I hope they don't only release information when they have to deflect from <laughs> a more controversial story. Yeah. I can only imagine, like, at the Warner Media Bank, they've got break in case of emergency and it's just all you know, Game of Thrones <laughs> production news. <laughs> You're probably right. But it's like, we'll announce who's playing this, who's playing Rhaenyra once we announce that we're firing this person. Okay. Yeah. Distract. <laughs> By the way, if anybody out there has any thoughts, what do you think? I mean, th- th- this is our first look behind the curtain of House of the Dragon. Pretty exciting stuff. Let us know your yeah. thoughts and we'll respond. Um, okay. So let's talk about 
the, um, the, the kind of under-the-surface thing. The, the reason we keep talking about deflection is because the House of the Dragon news came alongside a, an announcement from Warner Brothers that, depending on who you ask, uh, is either going to gut the film industry as we know it or help consumers at a time when going to the theater isn't really that safe. Um, they announced, was it earlier this week or late last week? I forget. Um, that in 2021, Warner Brothers is going to send all of its movies, that's 17 coming out, all 17 of its movies, straight to its HBO Max streaming service and release them in theaters at the same time. With the details, to be fair, I just know this today, they don't stay in theaters I'm on HBO Max forever. They're like in theaters and then mm-hmm. they're on HBO Max for like 31 days and then they get off. Yeah. But the point is, um, under this new system, you know, before a movie was only in theaters and you had to go see it and then mm-hmm. eventually come out on video or streaming or whatever. And under this new system, they're saying what I think a lot of folk have feared would happen for a while, like in the industry that streaming is going to kind of take over theaters and why put them out in theaters? You can just release them to your streaming service, get subscribers and um, clean up that way. And there have been a cavalcade of reactions to this, um, both uh, kind of measured and there's a good one. Has Warner brothers finally killed off cinema for good (laughs) Asked the South China morning post. I think maybe that's a bit overboard, but me, okay. So yeah. when you heard this, what did you think of this new director? By the way, and these movies, we're talking <laughs> like Dune is going to be coming out like this. Mm-hmm. The Suicide Squad will be coming out like this. The Matrix 4 will be coming out like this. And a bunch of others that are like some big name yeah. stuff. Like, this is just unusual. At the same time, yeah. kind of inevitable. But what do you think about it, Mia? Yeah, you know... <laughs> I think my overall reaction was that I was like, you kind of really don't have any other choice at this point. Um, to be sitting on these movies now for months, almost a year is kind of like, you know, just keeping these in a vault with no one to share them with, no one to see them. They're not making, you know, any money where they could potentially could be making money. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really could not blame them. I'm like, you have to do sure. something. It may have been a shock, you know, kind of like jumping into a cold pool, just like head first. But it was like, I think somebody had to do it. Somebody had to kind of say, okay, we need to push the system forward. And, you know, Warner Brothers, I'll say they were pretty brave to do that. Some, you know, caveats here and there with how it all worked out, but I think it's kind of the eventual landing spot anyway for this. The more I think about it, the less of a big deal it seems like, frankly. Mm-hmm. Like when it first came out, everyone was freaking out, like famously, yeah. already famously, uh, Christopher Nolan, the director of mm-hmm. The Dark Knight and Tenet and Interstellar and Inception, was the biggest... Um, Winger of the group, and he kind of uh, had this quote going around. Some of our industries, he's British, right? Okay. He should be, yeah. <laughs> Some of our industry's biggest filmmakers, most important movie stars, went to bed the night before thinking they were working for the greatest movie studio and woke up to find out they were working for the worst streaming service, which is like shots fired at HBO Max from a yeah. great director. Warner Bros. had an incredible machine for getting the filmmakers work out everywhere, both in theaters and in home, 
and they are dismantling it as we speak. They don't even understand mm. what they're losing. Basically, he's kind of leading the vanguard people who hate this idea, which is mostly yeah. directors. I've heard that Denis Villeneuve is upset that his Dune isn't going to like be, you have to see it on the big screen. Um, James Gunn was apparently a little miffed that the Suicide Squad <laughs> is going to be coming to people right at home instead of on the big screen only. And a lot of other folk who are, like, again, angry that, I mean, like, what is he angry about? Like, yeah, to the, me, it's a, a hot-headed reaction, you uh-huh. know, because it is. I do get it. It's like, hey, wait a minute. You know, we've always been doing this for decades in this industry, and now you're going to go and change it up. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I do feel where he's coming from just as a kind of, like, gut reaction sort of move. To me, maybe not incredibly fair to lash out without talking it through if you know what i mean or thinking it through even well at the same time i think a lot of them were upset apparently because unless you're gal gadot by the way is that gal gadot or gal gadot i still don't know it's like a soft t sound like gal gadot oh come on man it's like asmr the t (laughs) (laughs) anyway uh unless you're gal gadot or patty jenkins they did not tell anyone they were doing this yeah. Like they like called him up like 90 minutes before and were like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, by the way, all your films are going to be out in HBO max and theaters by click. And then they just kind of put it out and folks were a little cheesed off about that. They weren't being consulted, but at the end yeah. of the day, okay. The yeah, kind of argument, the, 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 the hard argument to make is, are you really going to say that, you know, they should be only in theaters. It's ridiculous when, Putting them out only in theaters, I mean, we've all heard the news over the past year, exposes you to COVID, might get you sick, might make you dead. Like there was one great tweet that was, um, Christopher Nolan, I would rather you literally die than watch my movie on TV. Oh no. (laughs) Yeah, this is like Martin Scorsese, but with a vengeance. It's like, at least he didn't have to, you know, it's like the Netflix stuff. He didn't have to deal with the pandemic. He was just like... I wish, you know, cinema could be cinema and you go to see it at the theater. It's like now times are I mean, different. Martin Scorsese put that into... like, what? Ma- I mean, made his Netflix movie. The, the Irishman is a Netflix movie yeah. he made. So, like, he exactly. complained and then got on board. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like, it, considering the circumstances, I think you do have to be, you know, overall considerate that, like, you know, Pretty much everyone's industry has changed, so why should yours be you any know. different? And I mean, the plain fact is, he was the first person to really have a movie come out in the really like yeah in the midst of this pandemic. So it's like yeah, yeah. you saw what the numbers were like; they were miserable. There was like nothing else in theaters to. I mean, considering like, like you know, miserable. considering it had come out like last you know last year, you know, if there's nothing to worry about, sure. it's a summer blockbusters in swing. Uh, and I think the fact of it is, is that you, if like Wonder Woman were to solely be released in theaters this year, you would still kind of have that same, you know, low balled, nobody really wants to go out to the movie theater expectations like that. Um, sure. I mean, so, yeah, certainly it, on, it, on Christmas when coming out like this, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not going to be over by then. Yeah. The so pandemic. to me, it's really like you just, it, it, you have to kind of accept that these are the circumstances in this moment of time and then as time goes on 
you know, now that they've done it and they've like broken the seal, I don't know if Warner Brothers will ever just want to stick to the theater only release. They're like, oh, it's just a year, you know, only. So yeah, that does kind of break the seal. But then again, it was like, well, was this inevitable anyway? And did this just kind of speed up the process? I mean, yes, it was, wasn't it? I mean, I think a lot of folk, I mean, have been saying that since the beginning. We were all going yeah. towards this, but this is just going to speed it along. The pandemic, I mean, like not this move. Like this was yeah. something, some, some, someone was going to do it. And I mean, as a person sitting at home, it's better for us, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> I, I want to point out like p- part of the weirdness is these movies are still coming out in theaters. It's not like you can't go see them. Like yeah. when Dune comes yeah. out, assuming the pandemic is under control, which by, by October, let's cross our fingers. Um, I will fully see it in the theater. Like, the, like that, that's my plan. It might also be nice to go home later and like, oh, that scene was awesome and rewatch it on HBO Max. Oh, I never thought about that. Wow. That'd be really awesome. Yeah. To yeah. Like, see something and then be like, oh, I want to immediately see that again instead of like having to, you know, unfortunately, well, maybe not unfortunately, you know, pay your money, pay your ticket again, mm-hmm. go back and sit through a whole two hour movie just for like this one little scene or snippet that you want to see. Or I mean, honestly, the argument that folk have made about like uh, pirating video games, like um, what if you wouldn't have gone and seen this movie at theaters, but you will if it's right at your fingertips, you've got more eyeballs mm-hmm. on it. And maybe some folk who watch it at home will even be convinced that they like it so much. Like I want to see that on a big screen. I can yeah, see that happening fair. too. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I do think it's a little suspicious that like, Again, like you said, like Warner Brothers said, it's going to be a year. I don't think it'll be a year. I mean, the 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 end of the future and stuff. Like, Dune's coming out in October. Like, I don't think anybody thinks we won't have the coronavirus under. I mean, again, cross your fingers, but like control <laughs> by then. You know, you know, the right. vaccines being distributed like today. I think in in the UK or yesterday, it looks like it's only a matter of time before we're out yeah. of this hellscape. Um, and yet they're committing to doing this like well into next year, all of next year. Yeah. Um, I think they do want to drive subscribers to HBO Max, but also I'm just not that mad about it, I guess, because it means <laughs> I'll get to, I'll have more options to watch movies. And, yeah. you know, for a while it will protect people who don't want to go out to a movie theater and expose themselves to the virus. And yeah. it, it seems like a lot of the whinging from Nolan and others, I mean, is their butt hurt they weren't told. And, I mean, it is scary, like, when you are yeah. kind of undergoing a, a change in your industry. And um, the New York Times article about it was talk about kind of how the, the revenue streams are going to be altered, where, mm-hmm. you know, a, a lot of stars and directors get, like, back-end payments, depending on how well the movie does. And if she was a part of it, those women won't be as big. And then the agents won't get paid as much. And they put it like, so there'll be fewer Ferraris and thousand per person <laughs> yeah. fancy dinners. And I mean, like, if that's what we lose, like, sign me up. That'd be great. Times. No one needs that yeah. crap. Yeah, I love that line. Yeah, that's um, good. It kind of reminds me of, not to get too off topic, about the whole Cardi B debacle. Like, should I buy like an $80,000 purse? This uh, did you see that? It was like a whole big thing on uh, Twitter. I did not see <laughs> People that. People mad at her. 
<laughs> you're like, we're in a pandemic. People have lost their jobs. And you're talking about getting an $80,000 purse. <laughs> so, oh, no. Oh, uh, I mean, I'm sorry. Something has gone wrong with my audio. Oh, no. And I can't hear you anymore. Uh, why don't you talk a little more about this topic yeah. while I try and figure this out? <laughs> Yeah, so I will ramble on in the background until Dan figures out his um, his audio. It's like we can hear him. We love to hear Dan, but his batteries aren't working. But anyway, yeah, so I will ramble on and kind of say as far as this whole Warner Brothers thing, you know, it, it to me comparatively, it is like, you know, there have been so many people affected by this pandemic who aren't in Hollywood. People have lost their jobs. You know, um, businesses to shut down, restaurants have had to shut down. So I'm like, it's kind of not fair, you know, Hollywood, you're out here and then complaining that, oh, no, my movie isn't going to make as many millions as we would like it to yet. Kind of this whole year has sucked for everyone. And so that's how this happens. Let's check in on Dan. So insightful. So wonderful. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. You missed a very touching uh, moving conclusion to this. Yeah. <laughs> this story. I'll be crying about that later. I can't wait to watch it back and see what you said. Um, okay, weird. Sorry about that, everybody. But I think we're back online. Mia, can you say something again? Yes. Can you hear me? Yes. We're all good. Yay. All right. Any other thoughts on this before we move on? Um, no. I mean, you missed such a moving closing argument that I, I couldn't possibly say anything more. Anyway, <laughs> Spider-Man. Another big bit of news. Christian seems really enjoying that. I was keeping my mouth so we peptide problems. It was going so well, Christian. We had everything set up. Ugh. We switched stuff. Anyway. Um, okay. We want to talk about Spider-Man. Spider-Man, they have announced... Uh, well, I guess it's, it, it's been reported, confirmed, basically, going around the world, that Spider-Man 3, the upcoming film with Tom Holland as Peter Parker... Subtitle forthcoming is going to be a celebration of uh, the franchise's past. There are a ton of actors from past Spider-Man franchises that are going to be in this thing. We already knew about Jamie Foxx as Electro from the Andrew Garfield days, and that was weird. And then I think it was confirmed that Alfred Molina is going to appear as Dr. Octopus from like the 2004 Spider-Man movie with Tobey Maguire. <laughs> that they're getting Andrew Garfield himself to show up. They're getting Kirsten Dunst from the old Spider-Man movies, Tobey Maguire to show up. They're trying to get Tobey Maguire, obviously. Uh, they're trying to get Emma Stone as Gwen <laughs> Stacy. Uh, apparently, uh, Charlie Cox is in it as Daredevil yeah. from the Netflix Marvel shows. So... This, I mean, on one level, this confirms what I've all, what we've always thought about it—that it's going to be some kind of multiple universe plotline where mm -hmm. Doctor Strange, who's going to be in it as well, will take Tom Holland through the Looking Glass and dance through the Veil of Multiple Worlds and have a good time. Um, but I, I, there was always a part of me that thought that was like too far fetched, and now to see that they're just going to bring. Um, all these old Spider-Man movie characters into this one movie, it's pretty ambitious. Yeah. And it's pretty exciting. What do you think about it, man? Yeah. You know, this might be the one time where I feel like I'm carrying a little bit of skepticism and not just like about the rumors, but I've always just been kind of feeling like the whole 
we're going to bring this character back is at some point going to reach a bubble where it feels gimmicky. Um, and I don't know where I've kind of read this before. And I'll explain further if you need it, where, um, you know, it's kind of like studios now just really, really want to make that billion dollar movie like anything else and you can go kick rocks. <laughs> so I'm like, you know, is this just kind of like they're trying to find the magic formula to be like, okay, how can we, you know, what are the ingredients for a perfect movie in 2020? Uh, you know, okay, well, we have to go hard on the nostalgia. We have to bring every single person back. And it's just made me wonder, like, are we ever going to reach a peak where it's kind of like, oh, yeah, you know, we're such and such is coming back. And whoop-de-doo, this has been done so many times over. Um, but as a Spider-Man fan, I, I should still in my heart feel a little bit happy. I do love Tobey Maguire. That's like straight up nostalgia for me. It's like, I, I guess it's kind of working in a way. <laughs> but yeah, I, I carry like this, you know, one side I like it and one side I'm like, okay, how far are we going to take this sort of thing? I gotta say, I am quite surprised with that response. I think you'd be all over this. <laughs> I mean, usually I'm the one who's cynical about I know. corporate maneuvering and stuff, but and I think this is pretty cool. I mean, but yeah. the reason I think it's pretty cool is because, I mean, there seems to be so much precedent for it. Like, everyone loved Into the Spider-Verse, and that was just basically yeah. this, but um, without people we already knew. Um, and it, it feels like that's going to be kind of the theme of the movie, like, I'm sure that some of them will have roles to play. I'm betting a lot will be cameos. Like, there's no way all these folks are going to be, like, a big part of the cast. Like, I'd be totally cool for a movie to do a fun multiverse adventure. And, um, I mean, really, it's, like, this kind of nostalgia service is, is very, very rare. I mean, this is the old Sony Spider-Man movies being integrated into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Like, that is a feat so unprecedented that it goes right past my cynicism blockers and <laughs> I kind of am into it because it's, it's something new. I mean, like what other th things are you thinking of when you say like bringing old characters back is kind of in vogue right now? You know, it is, are you, you're saying like right now? Um, well, you've got DC is, you know, with their Michael Keaton and and stuff like that. But yeah, this it, this is a time where it's like we've never had the chance to necessarily do this before because we've never been in this model of bringing people back. Or it's kind of just like once you do it, you move on. So even like if there's like Doctor Who where, you know, we've got the 11th Doctor and then the next year people are like, oh, but they missed the 10th Doctor. So let's put them in a special together, you know, something like that. Um, so there have been, you know, things, sure. reboots um, of that nature that we've been seeing a lot. Uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't want to, to say I'm too cynical of this because I, <laughs> the better part of me wants to be like, this is really, really awesome because I do, I have for a while been like, well, what if we get all three Spider-Men together? Um, the idea of bringing the villains back never came to me. So I'm like, that's pretty clever. Okay, I'll give it to them, um, Doc Ock and... I didn't really care for Jamie Foxx as Electro in the second Spider-Man, but I think they have the potential to make it way, way, way better now. So, and then the Charlie Cox too, the whole Daredevil thing. I was like, whoa, where are, you know, where are we going with this? Um, that one was the really surprising one. Yeah. <laughs> earlier. Um, Daredevil. Awesome. Which, yeah, that one was nuts. And by the way, hi, Jen. Good to see you. Hey. <laughs> um, 
I mean, the, the, the word is, and this all is kind of still um, transpiring and could change, but the word is that he'll be Tom Holland, Peter Parker's lawyer. So I, I actually don't think he's from another universe. I think he is the Daredevil character from the Netflix show, just because they oh. live in the MCU, right? Yeah, yeah, it was technically, yeah, in the MCU. In those shows, they made reference to the first Avengers movie and, like, the whole New York stuff. So he just yeah. exists, and they're just bringing him in. But it was surprising because that show has been in, like, rights limbo for so for, for a while now. But mm-hmm. I think the rights reverted. And I expected Kevin Feige to use Daredevil again at some point. I expected this soon. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I say cool. Again, I, I sort of doubt it's going to be like, there's no way all of these people can like be an important part. But like if yeah. Dr. Yellow comes on just like for like one scene to help Parker in like a, 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 a deposition and don't even mention he's there, that'd be really, really fun. Oh, yeah. I mean, again, like Kevin Feige hasn't struck out yet. And this is a pretty new kind of move. I think it's pretty exciting. And I'm. Sorry, it can't penetrate your shriveled, trunk and heart. <laughs> no, no, no. I do. It is. It is like to me still something. The more I think about it, the more I'm like, whoa, this. You know, this has the potential to be something really, really, you know, uh, something unlike you've ever seen before. Almost to me, it might give me the feeling of Infinity War because it pulled together all of these heroes who have never been on screen before. But this is different because these are the same heroes who share technically different timelines in a way and have, you know, in no way should be connected to one another, but now we have that opportunity. So yeah, it's like, you know, taking all your toys and playing with them. You've got two Spider-Mans and, you know, two different Batmans. And at least with my brother, you know, when I would see him play toys and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, I'm not, not feeling that cold towards it. I've decided Spider-Man is going to be the plural of Spider-Man. Um, or like Spider-People, if if, if there's a, like a Spider-Woman in there, we'll see. Um, and yes, Christian, it's most definitely sets up the next Doctor Strange movie. I'm sure of it. Um, we'll see the specifics when it comes out. Probably 22, I want to say. All right. Any other thoughts on that before we move on? No, let's keep it. <laughs> okay. Finally, nice. let's quickly go over um, the latest Mandalorian episode, The Tragedy, uh, which happened last Friday. Um, Moff Gideon took Baby Yoda, and I'm not cool with it. <laughs> oh, absolutely not. Uh, yeah, we've only got, after this, two more episodes to go. And for some reason, in my mind, I was expecting maybe this episode would be kind of like another filler, like nothing. They were just going to have a tiny adventure, but nothing was really going to happen. But then they were like, hey, what if we brought back Boba Fett? <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. And have the villain uh, get the baby everybody liked. Yeah. Yeah, and they actually they actually went to the planet that they were supposed to go to in one up. Ep- it didn't take them two episodes to get there. So I was very very impressed with this episode. I-, I guess I've always been impressed with all of the episodes, but this one had a lot of awesome cool reveals, and I was like, yeah, I'm into this. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it was good from, from from the drama point of view. I kind of wish the show would. I mean, talk about bringing back old characters. Um, to kind of stoke nostalgia and fan service. Is there any? Is there any Star Wars character that kind of lived in the imagination bigger than he was on the screen than Boba Fett? Mm. 
a couple of scenes in the original movies, but just he had this second life among fans that like they never let him go. Thought he was so cool, so badass. They want the helmet. They want the jetpack. And finally, he's come back to please them. And I mean, I like the performance. I, I, I enjoyed all the action scenes. Christian mm-hmm. was skeptical, but loved it. I like that he wasn't a, like a monster. Like he made a deal. Um, he revived that lady with robotic cybernetic implant. Yeah, Finnick, yeah. <laughs> um, but he, he, he came off as a character, which I liked. Mm-hmm. The show goes very fast a lot of the time. Like it, it, it's that's like its charm, and also sometimes to me, what's it's starting to wear me a little bit. How it it's not really a show that pauses for the characters to like reflect on themselves, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like we're getting from point A to point B to point C, and we're not really stopping, um, even though there is some filler stuff, but the, but the filler stuff is just always kind of, it, it, and there's always action scenes every single time. Yeah. Yeah. Just a talkie episode. And I'm not sure I'm going to get it. <laughs> um, but yeah, pop momentum, good action scenes, Boba Fett being back. Can't go wrong. Oh, and baby Yoda. Uh, oh, like smacking around stormtroopers was a good time. I enjoyed that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was taking care of business. Christian, you're right. It is the same actor, Tamura Morrison, who played Django Fett. Yeah, yeah, that's him praising the role. And um, in one regard, it was kind of weird at first to see Boba Fett actually have a personality. Uh, He was never like my favorite character just because I think it's more of like a product of growing up with the original movies, kind of like my dad loved Boba Fett. Just because it was like that, you know, he's got the mysterious Mandalorian helmet and like, who is this guy? What does he do? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so it's like you could kind of just project your own ideals onto him because he was just this blank canvas of cool. <laughs> so then when they finally, you know, Tamor Morrison worked on creating this character, he worked with John Favreau and Dave Filoni and learned about the Clone Wars and all that too to be like, okay, now what would happen if he actually had a personality and, you know, and all this stuff happened to him? And it was a little shocking at first because like, oh, he speaks and he he fights without a gun and all these things. Uh, but yeah, it was something that grew on me as well. I want whatever the hell staff he had yeah. in the book. And like he was pulling guns out of folks' hands and <laughs> smashing them. Like, okay, this show loves killing stormtroopers so much. In that one episode, <laughs> like they were smashing them against walls and like firing cannons point blank at them. In this one, Boba Fett is smashed with a stick and, like, their armor is splintering off their face and flying all over the place. It's really um, uh, on the cutting edge of murdering the hell out of Stormtroopers, this show. (laughs) Yeah. This one was quite brutal, and I was just reading up, and he was... Tamir Morrison spoke to New York Times and he spoke to Star Wars blog as well, but kind of made the same points about his character and talking about his culture. He's from the um, Maori culture from New Zealand. Um, I looked it up because I was like, I think Taika Waititi is from that culture as well. Um, And they really are proud of that culture and to display it. And so he is kind of trained on, you know, some of the warrior... um, things that come from that culture, such as the Hakka. We've seen that before, or I've seen it before at least. Um, and also part of that comes with this, on Star Wars, they called it stick fighting. So I don't know if there's a better way. There is a name for it that he said, but it is, you know, the practice of 
almost like swordsmanship, right? Using your stick and your staff and really. And so, yeah, I was like, wow, he is not playing around with these stormtroopers. I feel sorry for them. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I, I, I do feel myself like a little wanting for a little more depth. But, I mean, uh-huh. this moves the plot forward. It's exciting. It's just for a good end. Yeah. Yeah, this one was the shortest one as well. Um, so, yeah, to me, it was kind of weird. It did, the, the Stormtrooper scene did, to me, go on a little bit too long. Um, it felt like I was watching, like, Star Wars Battlefront. <laughs> um, and so I was like, yeah, maybe that time could have been filled in with a little more, like, hey, you know, Boba Fett reflecting on, you know, like, him and Mando talking about being foundlings, not really from the planet of Mandalore. There's a lot that you could have done, um, but I, yeah, I don't really see the show doing that either. I don't know. Yeah, me neither. It's just not its style. To me, the, the best episode so far is still the first one with um, Cop Vanth and the Ahsoka one are my <laughs> top two. Now, before yeah. I got a little gift uh, this week from the good people <gasps> at HBO and BBC. <laughs> oh my goodness. It's a his dark materials gift box whoa they sent me ugh, some candies they sent me a telescope that i can put together because the whole show is about like discovery <laughs> wow when i put it together look at the stars i can do it under a blanket. Ooh, I'll keep you nice and cozy this winter. So yes, thank you very much to the good people at HPWBC. Uh, History Materials sending me these. History Materials, telescope, candies, blanket, accoutrement. That show is still going on. History Materials is around in the corner on its second season. And because they got gift, I got a gift from them, I will say that it is fine plus. Oh. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, Sam person staff Christian. Apparently, everyone already knew that. I did not. Um, I had to be told that by someone who was a bigger Star Wars fan than I did. But oh, aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> maybe I'll maybe I'll look into that. For um, this show is great at suggesting new Halloween costume ideas um, for people everywhere with the masks and the staffs and stuff. Anything else, Mia, that you're watching want to talk about? Um, no, I finally started watching um, Dash and Lily on Netflix. It's so cute. It's like a holiday little um, based off of a book, I guess. It, it is like so me. I was like, oh, this is really me, even though it's like one of that, that young adult type stuff. Um, that's really cute. I'm just kind of taking my time watching that this week. Um, anything else on your watch list? Oh, um, I started to watch The Stand. I got some of the screeners for that. I'm not going to say anything because I, I can't spoil it by law um, or by edict of CBS All Access. But uh, I'm enjoying it. Um, and hopefully, cool. I, I, think, I think we can talk more about that um, next week. Cool, yeah. Start early next week. So as The Expanse is coming, quite a lot of good TV coming up over the holiday season. And if you want to hear our thoughts on those and other programs, um, books, movies, what have you, we are available to listen to in podcast form. Uh, Take the Black Live or Take the Black, available wherever podcasts are sold, iTunes, Google Plays, or just available, rather. Not necessarily sold, if you want to get some money, sure. 
Um, we'll be back next week to talk about more of this stuff, more dragons, lasers, books, TV, uh, movies, here on the Winners Coming Facebook page at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time on Wednesdays. Thanks for watching, everybody, and goodbye. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by Fansighted. Join our community of over 300 sites from sports to pop culture and everything in between. 